0: The first day of winter is upon us, the first of June. It's the day dairy farmers around the country move thousands of cows to new pasture for winter grazing or new shear milking contracts. But unlike the last few years, the threat of mycoplasma bovis won't be looming so large. There's been a major
1: milestone reached in the fight to banish cattle disease mycoplasma bovis. Just one farm now remains infected 4 years into the eradication program.
0: A one-shot attempt to eradicate the cattle disease mycoplasma bovis appears to have worked. It's been a long battle for a pledge to do what no other country has done. Eradicate mycoplasma bovis. The detection of the devastating cattle disease on a South Canterbury farm in 2017 triggered the country's biggest ever biosecurity response. We've made this decision in partnership with our farming sector to protect our national herd and the long-term productivity of our economic base. The eradication programme seems to have done its job but it's come at a heavy financial and emotional cost to farmers. More than 170,000 cattle were culled. More than 200 million paid out to farmers who lost livestock. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's been very stressful. There's been a lot of heartache and trauma for farmers, and at the end of the day, it could be for nothing. It's been terrible for us. I can't do it. I can't do it.
1: It doesn't matter what you say. Nobody can say anything.
0: <laughs> but was there any other choice? Had we not, though, chosen to undertake this programme of eradication, the cost to the economy uh, and the primary sector would have been in the billions. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson, and today on The Detail, the fight against Mycoplasma bovis, and the lessons we can learn from it. I'm talking to Professor Richard Laven from Massey University's School of Veterinary Science, He's an expert in farm animal production and was one of the first people to find out, via a phone call from a vet, that the disease had arrived in New Zealand. The vet described cows with symptoms like mastitis and arthritis, classic signs of Mycoplasma bovis, but initially he didn't think it was the disease. As far as anyone knew, it wasn't in New Zealand. But he still advised the vet to report it to authorities.
1: What's the chances of this happening? And the answer is, it's low. I mean, if we think of a disease that perhaps we, we fear more than mycoplasma bovis, foot and mouth disease, every year I'm sure there's vets who go out and have a look at a, a calf or another farm animal, and they look and they find ulcers in the mouth, and it's a bit lame. It could, be, it could be foot and mouth disease. They report it to, they don't think it is, but they report it to MPI. That's the process that we go through with all of these exotic diseases, is say, okay, yeah, if it was likely to be mycoplasma bovis, then um we would we would already have had mycoplasma bovis it's an exotic disease exotic diseases are inherently unlikely unfortunately it was mycoplasma bovis
0: do we know how it got in
1: um no no we don't there's a there's a very nice mpi report detailing all of the ways it could have got in and the conclusion is for all of those they were low risk, but not negligible. So I think that the best description is, is like winning a lottery. There's a very low risk you're going to win uh, a lottery, but somebody does every week. But obviously, the reason you go in it is because you think you're going to win. You think you could win it. Um, and that's basically what we won. We won a very bad lottery where we had a, a disease that was very unlikely to come in, and it came in. Um, and I think that's the conclusion that um, the NPR report comes to, and I, and I agree with that. I mean, the main reason why it was low risk is we weren't importing animals. We weren't importing animals from Australia, which is the main source of, my- likely source of mycoplasma bovis. We hadn't been doing for a few years. And that, um, when we look at that, you say, okay, well, that's the biggest risk. That's the highest risk. We're not doing that. The chances of it coming in on other things are much lower than it coming in on a live animal.
0: Is there a working theory of how it got into the country? I guess in a way, it's kind of like COVID, trying to uh, piece together how how, for example, the Delta outbreak started.
1: Yes, it's 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 very it's very similar to that. Um, and to say the NPR reports identifies multiple things. For example, it could have come in on semen. Certainly, that's suggested to be a source in in Finland, which has low levels of Mycoplasma bovis. There was a suggestion in a paper that the semen was the main source on the on the infected farm that was identified. So it could have come in on that, but the chances of that happening are very low. Um, but again, as you say, it, it's a it's a very low risk. So yes, it's very difficult to identify um, at the time, and I know MPI have spent an awful lot of time and money trying to identify it. The genotyping clearly showed that it wasn't Australian; that it came from. Somewhere else, probably somewhere in Europe. How we don't know, and I suspect we'll never know. So, what is
0: Mycoplasma bovis?
1: It's a bacterium found in mostly cattle, occasionally other species, deer, and occasionally sheep. But it's a it's a bacterium that generally lives in the um, the lungs and the respiratory tract of the of the cow, and it's passed usually by nose to nose contact, close contact. So it's a respiratory. Disease. It can also get into the udder and other parts of the body, but the udder is probably the second most important one. And an infected cow can put Mycoplasma bovis in its milk, and then infect the calves that are that are drinking that milk. And certainly in the in the New Zealand outbreak, that's almost certainly um, what happened. We have cows nose to nose contact with other cows, spreading it that way, and then we have calves being infected by being fed milk that had mycoplasma focus in it.
0: What impact does the infection have on cattle?
1: So if we think about calves, the typical signs are pneumonia. So you get really nasty lung disease, usually alongside other causes of lung disease, viruses and other other bacteria. It's a very common cause of pneumonia in calves um, in the Northern Hemisphere in Europe and, and the US. Um, and it's a difficult to treat disease. In adult cattle, it's most commonly seen as a cause of mastitis that doesn't respond to treatment with antibiotics. So it's a cow that stops producing milk, maybe has odd looking secretions. You give it antibiotics and it doesn't recover. And it's also responsible for arthritis, it gets in the joints and causes disease that way. But in the majority of animals, probably no signs, and it really depends upon the environment.
0: So it could have been that Mycoplasma bovis was spreading on farms before that first infection was detected, if there are cattle that don't show any symptoms of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. Um, So the farm that um, MPI think is the initial farm infected based on their epidemiology, on their studies of the the bacteria was affected before the farm that had the clinical signs. So we identified Mycoplasma bovis was in the country because that farm developed clinical signs. It wasn't the farm. There were other farms that were infected before it. Um, So definitely, yes, there were cows infected, which showed no clinical signs. And that's the majority of cows in New Zealand the majority of infected farms have shown no clinical signs whatsoever.
0: There's no risk to human health from drinking milk or eating meat from cattle infected with Mycoplasma bovis. So given that, and the fact most animals show no symptoms, why did New Zealand embark on a programme to eradicate the disease?
1: From an economics perspective, at the individual farm level, so if we take the original case, you have to have large number of infected cows and those cows were sick they had nasty mastitis or nasty arthritis so there's there's a cow welfare issue and there's also welfare issue in the calves on that farm because they got sick too economically for the for a share milker on that sort of farm system even if MPI hadn't come along and said we're going to slaughter the whole herd or we're going to cull the whole herd they would have had a massive loss in terms of milk production calf loss and in other countries, they say my- Mycoplasma bovis infection has made farms go bankrupt because of the clinical problems it produces. From an economic perspective, it's not a disease you want. However, once you go from the individual farm level up higher up as a disease cost to New Zealand Inc. or to New Zealand farming, um, very little. It's a low-cost disease on average, spread across all the farms, including, of course, the fact that in beef cattle it doesn't seem to cause hardly ever causes problems in the New Zealand style system. So you can look at that and say, well, okay, yes, I'm likely to be all right. Individual people can suffer. Obviously once you've got a disease, it's never eliminated. So if you say it's still going to be here in a hundred years time, a hundred times, not very much is an awful lot of money, but at that point it starts becoming a political decision that says, okay, yeah, we're going to get rid of this because we don't want this disease in our country. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable decision, but it's a political one rather than an economic one. And we have other diseases present in New Zealand which cost the cattle industry significantly more money than Mycoplasma bovis ever would.
0: Anger is mounting at the way MPI has handled the Mycoplasma bovis outbreak. low uh, uncoordinated and... Um, I don't think they were prepared for something like this at all. Pretty big fall from grace, really, if we're honest, from managing and owning 3,500 car operation to cleaning houses, living with my partner, and any job I can get. Well, a study of the psychosocial impact of M. bovis on Southland's rural communities has found the government's response was bureaucratic, slow, inhumane and traumatising to farmers. The University of Otago study also found MPI ignored local knowledge, including that of rural vets. Richard Lavin said most farmers were, in the early stages, broadly supportive of the Mycoplasma bovis eradication plan. When it was announced in 2018, it was expected to take 10 years and come at a cost of just under $900 million, with the price tag split between government and industry bodies. All potentially infected cattle were traced and herds were tested. Herds found to have Mycoplasma bovis were culled. To date, 272 farms have been found to have the disease and more than 176,000 cattle have been culled. Farmers have been able to claim compensation for the loss of stock and production, and more than $220 million has been paid out. But as the eradication plan was rolled out, it became apparent things could have been handled much better.
1: From my perspective, I think the issue hasn't been anything to do with the science of the program. It's been due to the implementation of the program and the not listening to farmers who were positive or identified as being potentially positive, and so it's very much a social thing rather than a veterinary science thing. So the, the dealing with the people wasn't good enough, and I think the government has, has, or the MPI has admitted that. The Director-General of MPI has apologised to farmers for the way his ministry handled the programme to eradicate Mycoplasma bovis. I think we let farmers down uh, in the local communities at a point in the year which is very very important to them and to those farmers I'd like to say I'm very very sorry on behalf of all of us here at MPI.
0: Because it's got to be heartbreaking for farmers if, if MPI has told you that your whole herd has to be culled I mean that's years of work thousands of dollars thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars.
1: Yeah. Ignoring the compensation any farmer who has his cows culled because of the disease on the farm that hadn't shown any clinical signs and have been on a few if that's not heartbreaking for them they shouldn't be doing dairy farming um because cows cows are not just machines that can just be replaced they are living breathing animals and part of being a good farmer is understanding that and um, looking after your uh, the cows and so yeah they are far more than just having to yeah changing the machine and putting in a different model it's they are things that they've spent an awful lot of time and effort building up and developing. Um, and I don't think there was that was one of the things there wasn't appreciation for.
0: Has the eradication programme been worth it? In terms of simple economics, the cost of the
1: disease over the remaining years of the 22nd century and the 23rd century, if we can keep it out, um, would have been more than the cost of eradication. My conclusion at the end of the process is that I think if we had had 800 million to spend on eradicating a disease, um, a cattle disease in New Zealand, I wouldn't have chosen Mycoplasma bovis. But it's easier to get funding from the government from an exotic disease than from an endemic one. I mean, in fact, that's the whole thing in terms of endemic disease surveillance in New Zealand. There has been very limited government funding. We've got one of the best exotic disease surveillance systems in the world, but endemic disease surveillance. I mean, I used to work in Scotland, and my whole job was endemic disease surveillance, and half of my funding came from farmers, and half of my funding came from government. There's no similar setup in in New Zealand. So, in an ideal world, if someone had said to me, 800 million for eradicating a disease, I wouldn't have chosen Mycoplasma bovis. But we weren't being offered 800 million. To eradicate any disease other than Mycoplasma bovis,
0: what diseases would you have eradicated? So, well, I mean,
1: the, the most obvious one is BVD.
0: BVD is bovine viral diarrhea, an infectious disease that costs cattle farmers more than $150 million a year in direct production losses and $40 million a year in ongoing expenses from BVD control. According to the organisation BVD Free New Zealand, up to a quarter of dairy herds and about half of beef herds are actively infected with the virus.
1: That's a disease that other people have eradicated. We've got much more effective tests. We've got better vaccines. So we've got a whole load of control measures which were ready and available and working. And I know we've had a, a BVD disease eradication plan in Um, in New Zealand and and working groups but limited funding from government and in a lot of cases what's been shown is that you need government support such as saying no you can't transport animals that have tested positive for a certain test they can only go to other farms they can only go directly to slaughter that sort of thing so yes we could have eradicated BVD much simpler and the tests are much better to ensure that they don't doesn't come back in the risk of BVD coming in is much lower, um, particularly without live animals, is much lower than the risk of, um, well, it's very low. Mycoplasma bovis is probably very low too, but we don't know how to remove that risk. Whereas with BVD, proper testing, you can virtually eliminate it.
0: But back to Mycoplasma bovis. The last infected farm is a beef feedlot near Ashburton so Richard laven says moving day this year presents a fairly low risk in terms of the spread of the disease
1: from an outbreak perspective this is lots of cows moving but if you've got a cow moving from farm moving from southland to northland the risk is is actually pretty low because most of those cows are going to stay on that farm and not go onto other farms so the big risk is small numbers of cattle moving so if you've got an infected farm in Southland, so there's 30 infected farms in the country, there's still 30 infected farms in the country when that farmer's moved to Northland. The problem is the, the sale of animals. So a farmer sells some animals and doesn't record that, and there's five or six animals gone, and those animals get spread around the local area. That's where most of the spread of, of mycoplasma bovis has occurred, is individual animals, small numbers of animals moving on to uninfected farms.
0: So we're down to that one farm infected with Mycoplasma bovis, but Richard Laven says we'll have to keep testing for the disease, and that's not always easy or cheap. It's also uncertain at what point we'd officially declare ourselves Mycoplasma bovis-free. But could, or should New Zealand, use the eradication programme as a model in the event another potentially devastating disease, say foot and mouth, makes its way into the country?
1: I think the the difficulty is as a model is that Mycoplasma bovis is so rubbish at spreading, and that's part of the problem of diagnosis. It's part of the problem of deciding whether it's worth to eradicate. All the issues identified is that, yeah, if you look at how many cattle farms we've got in in New Zealand and how many farms that were infected, despite the fact that we had a delayed start, if that had been foot and mouth, we'd have had foot and mouth around most of Southland, and so most. Most exotic diseases are ones that come in and cause disasters. Um, not all of them, but most of those are are diseases that cause significant economic loss to most farms that get infected. Um, if we think of foot and mouth, that's a disease that spreads really quickly. The 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 major cost of foot and mouth disease is killing all the animals, and that's undoubtedly true um, if you look at endemically infected farms, but the, the reason why you kill them all is because we can't export and so New Zealand would definitively have to eliminate it but it doesn't act as a very good model other than perhaps identifying the sort of resources that we need and maybe being able to be quicker to, to build up the resources because obviously that was one of the issues is when we started is there just weren't enough people on the ground or available who were able to and deliver the eradication programme. And again, I think that was probably part of the problem with the social um, aspects was that uh, there weren't enough people and there weren't enough people who were who were good enough at dealing with human beings on a human basis, rather than on a tick box, you've got 10%, you need all your cows culled, that's it, thank you very much, goodbye, which I think was was part of the issue.
0: That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can download us free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansel and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Emile Donovan. And thanks to Richard Laven. Mātīwā.